Coming up on Tech Thing, it's Apple Day, people. We got the deets on the new iPhones, iPads, and Apple TV. PC Pro's Ryan Trout talks Skylake and the latest GPUs, reliable SSDs, and 5G LTE. All coming up on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you. Thank you so, so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. Except when we just covet the new technology. <laughs> because, by the way, it's Apple Day. Where should we start? Should that be a new holiday? No. <laughs> Let's start with the iPad Pro. Okay. I'm very excited about this one because uh, Apple has a pencil. <laughs> it's legit called a pencil. Well, it's it a was, stylus. It was kind of funny watching. <laughs> so the, you know, there's the big. You know, it seemed like it took forever, like two hours. Yeah, it did. This is it's Apple's iPad Pro, a 12.9-inch <laughs> display with 2,732 by 2,048 pixels. Oh boy! Which means it's basically rocking the uh, 4 by 3 iPad style uh, ratio. Yeah, it's an A9X chip. Apple claims two times the memory bandwidth of the A8X, two times faster storage and performance. Also, by the way, I should mention the Apple Pencil charges via lightning port through the iPad, which is pretty freaking sweet. Right, and they're calling it force data, i.e. the sort of the force touch we were talking about with the, with the watch, and we'll talk about in a few minutes with the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. Um, it's touch sensitive. It's a tablet. It is a touch-sensitive tablet. Uh, Apple demonstrated like Adobe Sketch, medical apps, uh, Microsoft Word for the iPad. The, yeah. The idea is this is the creator's iPad. Yeah, it's supposed to be um, for artists. And there's also this optional smart keyboard, which mm -hmm. they showed off a little bit. It's kind of a reminder of the, the Surface, the Microsoft Surface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Or a lot of cases that I've seen in life, my lifetime. Uh, battery life, they're claiming, is about 10 hours. That's not bad. Yeah, it's no small feat given that, that the screen is pretty gigantic. Uh, the starting cost, though, is going to be 799 bucks, and the LTE version of this with 128 gigs is over 1000 Over 1000 That's probably yeah. not bad for what it is. Um, not being, goes on sale November, I guess. Uh, iPad Mini 2 is $269. The Mini 4 is $399. The iPad Air is $399. The iPad Air 2 is $499. Did I say iPad Mini 4? You did! I did. So, <laughs> yeah, essentially um, it's the iPad Air 2 guts stuffed into an iPad Mini. So yeah. it's the A8X chipset, which is going to help big time with multitasking in iOS 9. And there are 16 through 128 gigabyte storage options on those. And we should also mention that they opened up the entire announcement with uh, some info about the Watch OS 2 version. Yeah, it's really funny. If you go to the apple.com slash watch page, right up there, watch OS 2 coming soon. <laughs> that's, that's pretty subtle. Um, September 16th uh, is the OS, watch OS 2 update. Cool. Third-party apps will run directly on the watch, not on your phone, yes. and then communicate into the watch, but physically on the watch. Facebook Messenger, or GoPro Viewfinder. Oh, I'm jealous about that. That's actually really cool. Like the GoPro that. Viewfinder. Yes. That's awesome. That's actually one of my favorite things in the Apple Watch is the remote control for the camera. Um, new watch faces, more support for Apple Pay, like store cards and point systems. Uh, between, you know, Watch OS 2 and the fact that I actually now have a band that fits me. <laughs> um, Yay! Well, I'm starting to get excited about the Apple Watch again. So they just released the XL a couple, three weeks ago. That's uh, good. Yes, fits wrists 195, 195 to 245 millimeters, and they also have extra links 
for the link bracelet. It kind of stinks that I had to spend an extra $50 to get a watch band to fit yeah. my giant wrist, but at least now I can actually wear the thing without hurting. Now, I don't know if you're excited about this, uh, the Apple TV. So, my wife and I started using Apple TV from the very earliest unit because, you know, we had, I, you know, basically, Apple TV, iTunes, yeah. movies, television shows. Um, it's really funny, like Tim Cook's up there, our vision for TV is simple and perhaps a little provocative. Mm. We believe the future of television is apps. <laughs> All of the apps. Okay, so outside of like Apple Fire TV, Chrome Stick, Roku, and pretty much everything else on the planet, there's certainly no, I mean, the future of TV is apps, well, duh. Uh, <laughs> sorry, um, I, Mr. Cook, tremendous respects for you, but boy, there was some self-serving stuff uh, uh, in, this, in this announcement. You know, and Gadzer pretty much sums it up. New Apple TV brings apps, Siri, and a touchpad remote for $149. Hmm. Um, it basically is an Apple TV, but about 10 millimeters higher. And the remote control is pretty slick. Actually, that's, that's one of the pretty interesting things going on with that. Yeah. And yeah, it's kind of funny. The future of television, it's all about apps. All the entertainment your TVs can handle. Um, Apparently, only if your internet can handle. I think the Apple Apple's servers are getting slammed. Oh, for sure. Um, so the remote, basically, you know, it's a big black stick. Uh, it's got a, the the touch area, a microphone, motion controls. Like hello, we. Um, <laughs> one of the things that made me squee was the multiplayer crossy road for Apple TV. My wife is going to kill me when I bring this home because oh. the boys will go feral because it's multiplayer oh, crossy boy. road. It's essentially a Frogger <laughs> clone. Disney Infinity 3.0 Guitar Hero also coming on Apple TV, presumably using the Wii remote-ish, Wii-ish remote. Um, the voice search is really compelling. Not, not that this yeah. is the first time we've heard of voice search on a television device, but they demoed it live. Like, you know, show me some comedy movies. Only the ones with Kristen Wiig. And it searches out of the box Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, uh, presumably the iTunes store and whatever else they can pack in there. Which reminded me when I, when I heard that, was, I need to find somebody that actually has an Amazon Fire TV. Uh, to see if they updated their voice search because that what was so disappointing about the Amazon TV's launch they had this really cool voice recognition system in the remote control but it would only search like paid uh, Amazon yes. options not even Amazon Prime options it was pretty funny um, if you ask Siri something like what did she say Siri will skip back 10 to 15 seconds and replay that's um, cool yeah so you know you can use the touch part of the remote control for scrubbing. They're claiming three months per charge on the remote, charges via lightning connector. They had an MLB demo, which sounded pretty cool, and I'm not a huge baseball fan, but they were doing 60 frames per second streaming, which means they are doing better quality video than over-the-air broadcast oh. major. Uh, you can split-screen two games, you get notifications of games, you can switch between them, a pretty sophisticated app. Uh, MLB's really pushing the edge on uh, video development. They actually developed the HBO Now application oh. for HBO. Ethernet, 802.11ac, HDMI, Bluetooth 4.0 for the remote, yes! Which means <laughs> I don't have to like reach around the pillow or wherever I'm sitting. Yep. IR is dead, dead to me. And you apparently will be able to control your TV's volume with the remote. So is it going to be 1080 or 4K? 1080p. Okay. There's not enough 4K televisions, I think, for Apple to commit to producing this. I mean, the last time they really updated this was 2012. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> so they're probably, we'll update it later. Um, 32 gigabyte version is $149, the 64 gigabyte version is $199, and the current Apple TV will rem remain in the lineup, presumably without apps, we will find out soon, uh, for $69. Wow. Ships in October, they plan to hit 80 countries out of the box. Uh, the TV
Assets, the new name of the OS, or the name of the OS for the Apple TV, tvOS. Uh, the developer beta opens today. Developer.apple.com slash tvOS. Well, I got to say the Apple TV looks very, very cool. I'm hoping you will get one. Yes, I will get one. <laughs> well, it, we have so much. And also, there'll be third-party controllers. Game controllers. Yeah, no, so so not merge. just the remote. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Third-party remotes for gaming. That's kind of cool. On the Apple TV. Only if okay. the games don't suck. Just a little cool. Just a little cool. Now, I'm sure that you're probably a lot more excited about this last one than I am. The iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. It's so breathy. <laughs> like, look, I own an Apple. I, I own an Apple TV. I own an iPhone 6. Um, but a breakthrough design pushed even further. <laughs> Everything that made the previous generation great. <laughs> um, you know, so okay, the, the it, Tim Cook's like the most popular iPhone ever. Um, the 6S, 6S Plus. Where is it? Where did it go? Where's the rose gold? I can't find the rose gold. There's there the it rose is. gold. Um, and a much greater interest to me is, is um, 7,000 series aluminum, which in theory oh, yeah. should be stronger per ounce or per mass or per given volume than the 6,000 series aluminum. I'm sure we'll mass. see some YouTube videos of people trying to bend their phones. Well, I mean, I bent one by simply having it in my pocket and sitting <laughs> down. So I, I also wouldn't mind if they made the case a little thicker to make yeah. it a lot stronger. Um, the screen is kind of the big deal, though. Yes, absolutely. Force touch. 3D touch, I guess it is. Um, 3D touch, yeah. So this is basically it, it can trigger your sensitivity. Mm -hmm. It can understand how how strongly you're touching it. So out of the box, iOS 9, uh, mail, calendar, photos, home screen shortcuts. Basically, like a long press, uh, a little bit of pressure will bring up a, a quick preview of an email, for example, a peak they call it. A longer <laughs> pressure to bright open it or go dig down in the menu. That's um, pretty cool. New, no, A9 processor? Yes, A9, okay. uh, not 9X CPU. It's 70% faster at CPU, 90% faster at the GPU. Mm -hmm. uh, the M9 motion coprocessor build is already built into the chip as well. Mm -hmm. So it's always on second gen Touch ID with a fingerprint sensor too. Uh, rose gold is just compelling. You're just so into that <laughs> rose gold. It's so funny. <laughs> Physically, I mean, they're pretty much the same. I'm know. always very interested in the camera, yeah. so I was listening to that part very, very much. Uh, there's a 12 megapixel eyesight camera. It's 50% more pixels, increased HDR, better low light photography, and they're including 4K video, which is yeah. very exciting, and editing on the camera, too. And then the front-facing camera for all your selfies is going to be 5 megapixels, so they did do an upgrade there. It uses the Retina display as a flash, which is pretty sweet, so it'll be a nice big flash for you. And it lights up to three times brighter, too. Yeah, the screen will literally, like, pulse. Yeah, it pulses. Um, it will, it's will, pretty cool. Or, or at least blinding. Um, live photos, <laughs> I don't know if we can pull it up. Um, but if we go to a live photo, it's essentially it'll capture some video. That's cool. Yeah, you snap yeah. it. So, um, It'll allow you to see motion in video format. They can have sound too. So the camera is always capturing an extra couple seconds of video when you take Aww, the picture. So little you, dolly. You know. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's delightful. <laughs> and Apple is saying two times the Wi Fi mm -hmm. performance. We'll see about that. <laughs> 23 band LTE advanced. So lots and lots of bands for everybody. Yeah. Uh, same price as the 6 and the 6 Plus, which are now $100 less each. And it starts with 16 gigs, which wow. I feel like is kind of small. It's I can't tiny. do 16 gigs phones anymore with all the applications that I download. I, I guess they start with 16 gigs to make the phone seem cheaper. 
Maybe. I don't know. That's actually that would but probably. I'm sh well, maybe somebody buys it and just uses it strictly for phone calls. But if you're taking pictures on it and 4K video, that's going to ramp up real fast. And they don't have external memory. Yeah. No SD card slots. And the iPhone upgrade program starts at $32 a month to get a new unlocked iPhone every year. Apple's going to make a fortune on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the best way to own iPhone. Pay us money every <laughs> single month. It's unlocked, which is cool. That is nice. That's very nice. It, you can pre-order these September 12th, by the way. Yeah. Which is exciting. They ship September 25th to the US, the UK, Australia, Canada, China, France, Germany, uh, Hong Kong, and Japan. You know, if you're going to pay $32.41 a month, you may as well pay $40.75 a month to get the 128 gigabyte version. I'm just yeah. saying. Or, yeah, it's funny. So basically, you'll pay for a new phone every year, one month at a time. This is so Pretty boring. much, yeah. Yeah. But uh, some people like a new phone every single year. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just throwing money in a hole. Do uh, the thing! iCloud, one terabyte, uh, $9.99 a month. That was, that was interesting. Well, considering how expensive storage used to be not too long ago. That's actually a pretty decent price. I like that price. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> uh, something else that caught my eye this morning, completely unrelated to Apple, kind of. Uh, 5G is coming in a oh few years. Oh my gosh. Verizon to be first to field test crazy fast 5G wireless. Uh, 2017, they're claiming to start rolling this out ahead of the industry, which is the rest of the industry has been predicting 5G in 2020. 5G, they're claiming 30 to 50 times faster than 4G. Uh, my personal favorite line out of the article was that copy of the movie, The Guardians of the Galaxy, would zip to your device <laughs> in 15 seconds on 5G instead of six minutes via 4G to hmm. with the lower latency, better ping times. Um, Lower latencies. Yeah, well, this is going to be like a commercial version, and it's an early trial of commercial version in 2017. Uh, Korea is trying to get 5G online in 2018. South oh, okay. Korea hopes to get its wireless carriers to deploy a trial 5G network in 2018 in time for the Winter Olympics. Wow. Japan hopes to have 5G running in time for the 2020 Summer Olympics. I'm and pretty stoked about that because yeah. not only is it going to be faster, but a lot of times you see better security with these upgraded speeds as well. One can hope. One can only hope. One can hope. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Don't don't not buy a phone today because you want 5G. It's years out. It's going to be a while. You know what we have for you right now? Darren Kitchen, host of Hack 5, the man editing this video right now. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, Patrick. This week, Shannon and I are attaching new technology to weasels in profound ways, plus micro beavers. Find out more over at hak5.org. Hey, let's talk about Linux. Linux? Yeah, Linux. Do you happen to have three potential Windows alternatives that are open source Linux that I might consider for my own personal use instead of I, Windows 10? I might. Ready? I'm ready. Go. <laughs> the first one is going to be Ubuntu 15.04. This is an LTS version, long-term support version of Ubuntu. It's probably the easiest operating system to switch to whenever you're considering Linux instead of Windows. You need very little experience with Linux to use the Ubuntu distro, and most hardware will automatically work with it, so you can install it on pretty much anything. It's fairly easy to install. It is free. There's a ton of software that's available to work with Ubuntu too, so you won't have to like make changes to all the different software that you already use. For example, you can use Skype with it, Chrome, you can use Dropbox and VLC, just to name a few. And yes, you can officially video game via Steam on Linux now in Ubuntu. Steam games or Steam Windows games. games? Steam! 
Steam, Steam. Steam games so through the Steam app can I, for Ubuntu. Okay. Yes, it's a thing. I've tried it, it works. So you can run your Windows games streaming to Linux via this app? No, you just download them in your Ubuntu operating system via the Steam app on Ubuntu. It's a thing, I promise you. I know, it's just the idea of like running, <laughs> it's, it's a very, I'm having a wine moment. I'm old, not wine the drink, but wine the wine. emulator. Yeah, it's, it's, not emulator. it's not an emulator. Yeah, wine yeah, is not. not an emulator. You so, were saying. Ubuntu is also available for a bunch of different devices, so you don't just have to use it on your PC. You can also use it on your tablet or on your phone or your laptop or your desktop or pretty much wherever you want to. I'll probably stick to using it on my desktop. <laughs> okay, well, that's one option for you. You might like Mint as that's well. Great. Linux Mint, so this one is a lightweight distro. It's one of the most popular ones. They state that it's the third popular after Mac and Windows. Hmm. Not like defi de defining whether that's Windows 7 or 10, just Windows in general. Windows. It's also open source, it's also free, it's only available for desktops. Uh, the reason why I like it is because it's lightweight, because of that nice design with it. This means that you can run Mint on like older machines that you might have sitting around without dealing with yeah. all bunch of bugginess and laggy issues and junk like that. So I can run this on like my older i3 CPU uh, that's built into a laptop with an old hard disk drive, and it works just fine. Yeah, it's if, very if nice. This is one of the greatest introductions to Linux you, you can possibly have as Linux Mint. Very, very smooth. Yeah, it's, it's also it's safe, it's reliable because Mint doesn't have any spyware installed. It doesn't have any need to have antivirus software because you don't run into that issue with Linux distros. Yet. So yeah. it is my go-to choice if you want something for an older machine. Uh, personally, there they have a whole bunch of different desktops to use. I like the cinnamon desktop environment, but it might not work with all hardware, so you might want to choose a different one depending on the hardware that you have. So pro tip, in case you don't know what that means, Linux distros have a bunch of different desktop right. environments that work with different hardware. So if you don't like one, you can always switch to another. One might be prettier than the other or something like that. So some popular names you might run by include XFCE, GNOME, Good cinnamon, on. KDE, which, what did you say? Gnome. Gnome. <laughs> or Gnome. It depends. It depends on where you're from. So yeah, Linux Mint would be my second one. And then third and fi finally is Chrome OS. What? Now, yeah, I know. You might be thinking, why? what? Really? I because yes. Really Linux operating system. It runs on Linux. <gasps> so Chrome OS can be used as a replacement operating system if most of your computing is done on the web. Cool. It's very sleek. It's very secure. But you have to have a Chromebook to run it on. Oh. Now, if you are feeling adventurous, though, you can download the Chromium OS, which, by the way, their website is horribly boring, but <laughs> Chromium OS is, is the open source project that Chrome OS is built on top of. So you can install that from the source code if you feel like being adventurous. The interface <laughs> is very, very simple, and Google's added a whole bunch of functionality to Chrome OS in the past year or two, such as connecting printers and doing a file directory, and there's all sorts of applications now that work offline. So you don't have to be connected on the web to actually be able to use Chrome OS for all of your operating system needs. So that is my number three 
option. Of course, there are a whole bunch of Linux distros that I've also tried out for very specific tasks. Like there's some for penetration testing, and there's some specifically Kali for Linux. entertainment. Yes, Kali Linux is one of them. So it really depends on what you yeah. generally need it for. But uh, for general use, just for browsing the web and for you know watching videos. Stuff maybe. you use Windows for. Yeah, th things that you would normally use for Windows. Uh, you have those three options and plenty, plenty more out there. Of course, I want to know what your picks are, if you oh have boy. any. I want to give a quick shout out to Chromebooks have come a long way. Eric uh, Ravenscraft over at Lifehacker wrote this up. He's basically doing all of his professional work cool. on, a, uh, on a Chromebook. So that's awesome. If you if if you look if you keep looking at the Chromebooks, you know, in the big box store and yeah. they're two hundred dollars and you're wondering, this article might help you decide uh, if you can move your life to a Chromebook. Sweet. We'll we'll stick that in our show notes. I don't think I'd run Chromium OS, but Chromebooks are pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. Chromebooks are fun. What are but your picks? What are your favorite distros? What would you like us to share with the audience? Email askdetechthing.com, tweet at techthing, or post on Facebook.com slash techthing. Are you thinking about getting a new GPU? Maybe you're ready to buy or build a new PC. A ton of new GPUs and CPUs are here or about to arrive. PCPro.com's Ryan Shrout joins us to help you figure out where your money should go on your next upgrade. Welcome back to Tech Thing, Ryan. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. It's weird. So, uh, Skylake, we got part, you got parts a couple weeks ago that still aren't available, the 6700. We can buy the 6600. But Intel actually just announced it officially yesterday, well, a week ago. Well, they, they, they kind of they did an architecture reveal a week ago, and then today or yesterday, they actually kind of officially announced like the whole onslaught of SKUs and different parts that will be available both for uh, desktops and mobile platforms. Mm -hmm. So I think in total, I think I counted up, I had to make tables for all these, like 46 different processors were announced yesterday. It was pretty, I think, I was looking at the tables, right? You know, Intel launches Skylake sixth generation core processors, the article from PCPro.com, and it's like four and a half watts up to 61 watts? Uh, four and a half up to 91. So 91. Four and a half, the Core M variants mm -hmm. uh, um, that will find their way into tablets and kind of the very small form factor two in ones or ultra thin and light type machines. And then the 91 watts are the desktop parts, the 6700K and the 6600K that we were mentioning before, yeah. So pretty much everything from compute sticks to convertibles to laptops to desktops to performance desktops. This it's, is, go it's ahead. A, it's a pretty impressive kind of launch, right? If, right. You take it, if you take it on merit that Intel will eventually, in the not too distant future, have all of these parts available in the market, um, the fact that you'll have a compute stick, which is one of those plugs into an HDMI port powered by USB uh, devices that previously was using an Atom architecture, uh, will now be using the four and a half, probably t configurable TDP down to mm -hmm. three and a half watt uh, Skylake architecture. And then, you know, we haven't, you know, we're in kind of, I guess I would call them the enthusiast mainstream components, the sure. Core i7-6700K, which is a fully unlocked overclocking quad-core hyper-threaded you know, base clock of four gigahertz up to 4.2 gigahertz, I think, on its turbo clock. Uh, that's that's a very wide range for one single architecture to go through mm -hmm. all at once. So, the the you kind of called fluff on the, the the slide I'm looking at right now. Two and a half times faster performance, 30x graphics improvement, 3x longer battery life. That's compared to like a Core i5 laptop from five years ago. 
Yeah, you know, companies do this often in this business, right? Where um, what what happens is is you know you don't really have that big of an advantage over the previous generation part. So okay, what do we do? Well, let's 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 make a, a feasible explanation here. It's like okay. A lot of people, there's a lot of five-year-old notebooks out there. Maybe we talk about the review or the review cycle, the upgrade cycle being a four to five-year window. So if you are going from a, a Core i5 or Core i7 part from mid-2010 right. to getting a Skylake part today, then you get those performance improvements. Whether they talk about two and a half x CPU performance improvement, 30x graphics performance improvement, and I think they said twice the battery life. As well. Now, all those are they're valid if you make those comparisons, but that's not in relation to Haswell or Broadwell or anything very recent. So, when we're talking about, you know, it, it's interesting. Everything's organized by by TDP uh, by watts. Um, Fifteen watts uh, parts are going to be typical for mainstream laptops. Are they going to offer that much performance over a 2014 or 2015 laptop? It doesn't seem like it. I, I think performance is, differences are going to be somewhat minimal mm -hmm. uh, in that 15 watt range, right? Because the 15 watt range has been uh, heavily optimized already in Haswell and in Broadwell. It's really on the the lower end uh, below that where you get into the f uh, four and a half watt parts where there's a lot of changes that may affect may affect actual user experiences and performance. In the 15 watt range, you're mostly looking at you know incremental performance, talk 10, 20, 30 percent. Uh, as, as well as some battery life improvements, thanks to some of the power efficiency stuff that Intel did with the you know, you know the 14 nanometer process technology and just the Skylake architecture design in and of itself. So uh, it seems like graphics is probably the biggest performance jump over Broadwell. And you mentioned L4 cache. Is that is that actually hitting sort of graphics and CPU or just graphics? So it's interesting. Um, yeah, the the Skylake graphics. Uh, implementation should be a dramatic improvement over Haswell and a modest improvement over Broadwell. Uh, if you just look at base specifications kind of being the same. The L4 cache is that embedded DRAM uh, that was first introduced with Haswell, kind of made a little bit more popular with Broadwell in the mobile space, but in reality it was only released in a handful of parts. If you look through the tables full of processors that Intel's releasing today and throughout the next you know uh, season or two, you'll see that there's going to be more uh, SKUs or more processor options that actually include some of that embedded DRAM. Mm -hmm. Iris Pro will have 128 megs of it on the processor, and the Iris Graphics will have 64 megs. And that is you know, mainly targeted at the graphics side of things, but because it does function now completely, uh, thanks to Skylake architecture changes, it does function just as a generic L4 cache uh, to the rest of the system, could have some interesting performance implications and power consumption implications for mobile devices where uh, something like the uh, the screen buffer doesn't need to be read from system memory anymore. It can be output directly from that L4 cache, kind of mm -hmm. bypassing something, uh, using less power because you don't have to make a copy of something back and forth. Sure. Those are some of the changes they were able to make this time around. So when do we expect the, the Silver Lake laptops to show up? Well, I mean, if you listen to all the press releases, tomorrow. But uh, in <laughs> reality, you know, talking with Dell and Lenovo mm -hmm. uh, and, and MSI and Asus, we're looking at maybe October for starting to get our first bouts of samples mm -hmm. in on those products. Uh, and so generally, notebooks kind of are available right at the time we're starting to get samples of them. So that would be my kind of initial expectation, but nobody has really said anything official at this point. We hope that Intel doesn't have any kind of you know, uh, issues with availability on the mobile side, like 
they appear to have with the uh, desktop 6700 and 6600K parts. So Broadwell is almost dead to us, but not yet. It's really interesting because we were talking about that, how there are still so many machines that ship with Haswell, as well as so many sh machines that ship with Broadwell. Um, I'm not sure how long of a tail that will have. I think if you're Intel and you're not having any yield issues, you want to get everybody moved over to Skylake as quickly as possible. So maybe you just kind of cut off those Broadwell parts. Um, they're, they're pin compatible for the most part. Any, any thermal design built for Broadwell will be more than capable of handling what Skylake can do. So it's only an improvement from that point that they can make. So I, I would see that, I, I would guess that Broadwell is probably seeing its last hurrah if these parts actually start to, to ship and show up as they're supposed to on time. That would be nice. It would. Let's shift gears for a second. Um, NVIDIA GeForce GTX 950 is essentially the new 750 Ti. More or less. It's, um, it's, so it's based on a Maxwell architecture. It's Maxwell 2, whatever, for whatever that's worth, right, versus the 750 Ti was the very first NVIDIA Maxwell architecture part out there. The 950 is, um, is an interesting kind of comparison point to the 750 because it is significantly faster than the 750 Ti, uh, but it does require external power. It requires a six-pin PCI Express power connector, which the 750 Ti did not. And that was kind of its hallmark calling card feature, if you will, is that you can upgrade machines that didn't have any uh, power supply capability for this or any you know, additional power ready for a higher-end graphics card. Uh, with the GTX 950, you still are required to have a single six-pin connector, which, you know, if you've got two Molex connectors in your case, you can get an adapter and use them that way. Uh, but the performance of the 950 is impressive, and the efficiency of it is impressive as well, uh, especially considering the $159 price point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're looking at not quite like a Crisis 3 benchmark, not quite doubling, but certainly like a 75%. Uh, performance yeah. improvement over the 750 Ti. Yeah, there, there's there's a pretty big jump up there. And and again, as you kind of, they, they've moved the 750 Ti down to like $99 price point with this, 750 Ti will apparently continue in its lifespan. Uh, this is a crowded market, right? When you're right. in that 150 to 250 range, there's a lot of options for graphics cards there, including NVIDIA's own, you know, 960. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got AMD's 370, 370X, all those parts uh, are complicated as well. But in terms of power efficiency uh, and just kind of like the newest feature set, the 950 does does have it there. So when we're looking at, or actually, you know, it seems like this is pretty close to being the card of choice at around $150, depending on what the, the price is. Um, shifting gears for a second, uh, Andy's uh, Radeon R9, a little bit of a disappointment because uh, everybody expected, at least if you expected it to be sort of a massive NVIDIA killer, it was more of a, an, a massive NVIDIA matcher in performance at the high end. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. Um, the Radeon R9 Nano, though, which is the tiny version of the... the as, well, it's, a, it's essentially a tiny R9 Fury. It's it is. It's actually, it's actually a tiny R9 Fury X. If you look at it, the specifications are the same number of shaders, uh, and all the specifications are the same between the R9 Nano and the Fury X flagship with the water cooler and all that. Uh, the, the primary difference is the clock speed. So the Fury X is rated at up to 1,050 megahertz, and it pretty much always runs at 1,050 megahertz. The R9 Nano will run, it says, up to 1,000, um, but my guess is that it will be closer to the 850 to 900 range, right? They've, very, right. they've been kind of upfront about, okay, it's not going to run at 1,000. This is their first part where you're actually going to start to see um, performance 
variance from application to application, from workload to workload, as what it attempts to do is maintain that 175 watt TDP um, to keep the power efficiency where they want it to be, to, uh -huh. to just kind of the, again, the flagship calling card of this particular product. So they'll adjust the clock speed and thus the voltage of the GPU in order to keep it within that specific power budget. And it's it's really tiny. Look at that. I mean, the, there's a great graphic you have where it's like inside a mini ITX space. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 incredibly small. Um, it, it doesn't really have any direct competitor mm -hmm. in that regard. Uh, if you look at Asus and MSI have GeForce GTX 970 cards that they call like mini ITX variants mm -hmm. that are close to that in size. Uh, what's interesting is, you know, AMD's advantage here is that if you look at just the size of the GPU and the size of the card, the uh, R9 Nano will be far and away the fastest in that space. Sure. Because NVIDIA doesn't have a 980 or 980 Ti uh, capable of being put into that small uh, of an area. The question will be is, are there enough users and are there enough cases that won't fit standard 10 and a half inch graphics cards, even many ITX mm -hmm. signs, uh, to really make the R9 Nano a worthwhile investment, right? So if you have enough space for it, the Nano is not the card to get. It'll be the Fury or the Fury X or an NVIDIA product, right? right. Because you're going to pay for that small size. Um, it will, you know, if you've got space, don't bother spending right. extra money. You're spending, much like an Ultrabook or like a super ultra thin and light laptop, you're paying extra for the size and kind of portability of it in this case, as opposed to just raw performance. Makes sense. Um, are there any at this point single card solutions for 4K gaming that don't compromise on, on settings considerably? If you listen to NVIDIA and AMD, uh, they will both say yes. <laughs> I still stick with no. I, I don't think that they're a single 980 Ti mm -hmm. or a single Fury X is really um, good enough for a 4K gamer in most respects, right? If you're if you're buying one of those cards and you're buying a 4K screen, chances are you want to play new games like Metal Gear Solid 5, or you want to play Batman uh, Arkham Knight, you want to play something like that, something that's new and modern. Uh, and in those cases, you're on the edge, right? We're right. closer than we've ever been, obviously. And you could probably get away with it if you're willing to back down on some settings. Um, but again, in my experience, people that are spending that kind of money on a screen and on a card are not the kind of people that want to back off on settings so much. So if I'm a 1080p gamer, is there much of a reason to spend more than two, 250 on a GPU right now? No, not really. If you've got a 1080p screen, uh, you know, a GTX, I mean, a GTX 950 would be fantastic for you, mm -hmm. but I mean, a 960 and a 970 are gonna be more than enough power uh, for pretty much anything you wanna do, with, it, with a couple of rare exceptions like Crisis 3 continues to be that that, <laughs> that game. game. Yeah. How uh, about if I jump to, to 1440p, the next size up monitor. Is it at the point where I want to start looking at a 980? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of like the right price range for it. Again, mm -hmm. you can you can get away with a 970 at the 1440p monitor. It all depends on what quality settings you want. But I look at it at the 980, 980 Ti, even the Fury cards as kind of like if you have a 1440p monitor, you want to max out everything, you don't want to have to compromise on that stuff, that's the product to get. Now they're they're expensive cards to invest in. Sure. So you can definitely start cheaper. Uh, and mini games, it just depends on what you're playing, uh, will be able to run at high quality settings uh, without that product. But if you're playing Witcher 3, if you're, if you're wanting to get into Project Cars and, and, and you know, the new MGS game, chances are you're going to want uh, to turn all those things up. Turn all those things up. I think that is the official motto of PCPer.com. Any articles coming up you can tease uh, or are they all under NDA? 
Well, we do have, we'll have a review next week of that R9 Nano products. We'll be able to actually tell you where its performance is in relation to everything mm -hmm. else uh, and whether or not we actually think it's price to performance or price to size or price to cooling ratio really makes any sense in that regard. Uh, and then we also have, uh, we have a couple of, of 34, 35 inch curved variable refresh monitors that we're hoping to really? get tested and looked at. Yeah, we're, we might actually have our first side-by-side -side comparison where monitor specifications are identical and one is FreeSync and one is G-Sync and we can finally do some... FreeScale versus G-Sync side-by-side. Yep. yep. I wait with bated breath, sir. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ryan Shrout, thank you so much, man. You can catch more of Ryan's work at PCPer.com. Ryan and I also host This Week in Computer Hardware together at twit.tv slash twitch. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks. If you're a fan of TechThing, please make sure you subscribe to TechThing.com on iTunes or YouTube.com slash TechThing. That makes sure you can catch each and every episode. If you want to take it to the next level, please consider contributing to the show at Patreon.com slash TechThing. You can donate however much you want per episode. Every little bit counts. If you can't donate, that's okay. Please take the time to send us questions, tips, and to share the show with your friends and family. And give our video a thumbs up on YouTube, like our Facebook page. It all helps quite a lot. And thank you so much for supporting the show however you do it. We got a tweet from Noah who says, which SSDs are you two finding most reliable these days? Patrick? Well, I, I uh, immediately looped uh, uh, Al Malventano in on this one because uh, my first response was 850 Evo and uh, our storage Maven at Malventano seconded that and added uh, Crucial's BX100, MX200, M500, quote, whichever of those you can find a good deal on. Right. Well, it's, and it's amazing. If you haven't thought about SSDs for a while, one terabytes are pretty consistently under $350. 500 gigabytes uh, SSDs are $165. Uh, the crucial prices are very comparable to mm -hmm. that. Um, 960 gigabytes for $339. And if you're curious about upgrading the MSATA drive inside your laptop, um, let me know. Because hmm. uh, I'm thinking about upgrading the drive in this machine, Ooh. which is pretty much the only thing left you can upgrade in, in mini laptops these <laughs> days. So let me know, let me know, let me know if you are curious, and we'll do a segment on that. Okay. It's all about the external USB 3.0 enclosures. <laughs> it's all about that. And we also got a message from Sean, who wrote in, watching the show, you kept talking about 321 backup. I am most concerned about my photos. Right now, I plug in my camera's SD card to my laptop. Picasa copy copies the images locally. Google Plus Photos pulls everything to the cloud. My off-the-shelf NAS box backs up the photo folder from my laptop. Does this satisfy the 321? I do pay for Google Storage, so I assume that is not disappearing without my knowledge. I have thought to add another NAS to my parents at my parents' house and cross mine and theirs to add one more later layer and give them off-site backup. Do you think I am covered? Well, yeah. It but sounds it, like it. it. You know, really, you, so we've got um, Picasa local, mm -hmm. Google Plus in the cloud, yep. an off-the-shelf NAS box. So that's three. That's you three know, right there. Yeah, three copies on two different formats, at least one stored off-site. You would have a second stored off-site with the NAS. And, and the thing is, like, you laugh, right? Because where does it say... Uh, Google, I, where did it go? I assume that's not disappearing without my knowledge. 
And that's why <laughs> we want you to have multiple copies in different formats. Because every so often we hear about some incredibly big, important organization or corporation or individual that wiped everything out because they weren't verifying no. their backups or because they were assumed one copy was a backup. And one copy so of a file is not a backup. No, it's not. <laughs> we salute you! Chances uh, yeah. are of all three of those disappearing without your knowledge all at the same time is very, very, very slim. So no. <laughs> you should be good yeah. with at least one of those. Yes. <laughs> I mean, a meteor strike might take out your house and your parents' house, but the Google copy should still be there <laughs> should any of your survivors want to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. It's <laughs> so ending on that note. <laughs> Remember, once in a while, put down the phone, step away from the screen, close the laptop, and do something analog, such as Shannon's recent weekend of joy. Hey, man, that was fun. So I went to Dragon Con. Dragon Con. Dragon Con. Dragon Clom. Which is like, it's like Comic Con, but smaller and more organized. <laughs> and it's in hotels instead of a big convention center. Lots of hotels. So I suggest you cosplay, like I did. <laughs> I cosplayed a Battlestar Galactica pilot. You were Specifically Sharon Agathon. And my husband cosplayed Carl Agathon, because uh, it's adorable. Okay, shut up! Shut up! It was a really fun time! I have made zero fun <laughs> of you and your cosplay. Oh, do you want to see a grudge cosplayer? Or the rain cosplayer? A grudge cosplayer? I'm going to turn down the volume on this. Because it's loud. But oh, look at this awesome. girl. She just stands there. She, she just stands there the entire time. Creeped <laughs> me out. And this is so at like awesome. 2 o'clock in the morning. There's people still walking around. Look at her. She just she just walks off. That's so perfect. Like she was in character the entire time. Scared me. Oh, my gosh. Cosplay. So freaky. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Halloween, any time of the year for adults <laughs> if you like costumes. It's Good a times. Cool thing. It is actually really it's amazing. Some of the costumes are, are amazing. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> so that with that. You, with, wow. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with okay. that, I'm Shannon Morris. And I'm Barry Norton. We'll see you next week on Tech Things. This is my prom picture. Doesn't it look like a prom? <laughs> it looks like a prom picture. So I need to have somebody Photoshop a banner that says Caprica High School Prom 2015. <laughs> you can click on it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's my. It's a prom photo. It looks like a freaking prom photo. <laughs> He's saying thank you to all the patrons. We promise. Shorter episodes. No yeah. We went long. <gasps> and you lived. I so did live. Yeah. That was my... I like how you first walked the first time. I did. Because he was, he was totally bombing my picture. And I was like, nope. Oh, and look at... Look, this is so cute. 
the cave and a little mini one. Aww, isn't that adorable? Most likely kids in the morning. Yep. <laughs> so cute. There's a Hura. She's totally awesome.